Well, good morning, Trinity Bible. My name is Nick Young. And like you said, graduate of Christian Heritage. I graduated in, oh, 2007, was it, Mom? Oh, I'm old. I'm getting old. Ah, oh, do we have PowerPoint? We do. Thank you, tech guys. Um, yes, we are with Ethno360. Have, have you guys heard of Ethno360? I know you guys support the Canes. So do you guys know a little bit of unreached people groups and how we, what we do? Okay, so this will be a review for some of you, but we're just going to go through it again. I'll be quick. C, good thing about C-Squad, expectations, man. I love it. We'll, ma- we'll make it short today. So, <laughs> This is my family. Uh, my wife can't be here today. She really wanted to, but she's in Seattle for a bachelorette party. So, My son, Elliot, he is three years old. He's back there with Grandma and my son, Owen, and I also have a two-month-old daughter, Dakota. So we're all getting ready to go over to the Philippines. And we were actually invited by uh, Carmelin. Carmelin, is she in here today? Oh, okay. So she actually, I think she got a hold of you, Mom. And I don't know. She got a hold of me, and then Pastor Steve was shortly after. So she's the first one that actually invited us over. So just wanted to say thank you for that. Um, my mom, you guys know Danella or Dr. Young. She's back there. And uh, yeah, we're just really excited to be here. Oh, and my sister, yeah, Sarah. Sarah's back here. She's taking a video of me. Great. Perfect. (laughs) Well, can I pray just one more time before we get started? Jesus, thank you so much for the day. Thank you for this church. Uh, Man, I just sense that these guys are all about you. And uh, just that prayer time. We just thank you so much for what you're doing. Uh, Amidst the fire, amidst the chaos and the loss, you are still working. And we do, we lift up all the churches here in the community. We ask that you give them power and give them strong light for people who just lost loved ones, houses, just, I don't know, we just ask that you intervene for them and just show up for them in a meaningful way. And like, again, we ask you that you give me good words to speak today, and we just, yeah, we love you, Lord. Amen. All right. So today, I kind of had the theme of a global perspective, Uh, like, I can't remember who said, but yeah, I grew up here in CHS. We're just, we're just west of Medical Lake. Farming community, I grew up working all through, you know, since I was 12 years old. I worked on the farm, did harvest every year, so I know how it is, harvest time. You just want to get it done as fast as you can, but the machines, don't lock, they don't like to work sometimes, so I get it. Um, without getting too much detail here, I kind of wanted to tell you my story a little bit because... I want to communicate to you guys that I'm just a normal guy. Um, Whenever I looked at missionaries, I always thought, oh, man, those guys are the spiritual people. Those guys are like, you know, I always put them on a pedestal. And I I just want to tell you guys that we're just normal people, okay? We all have sin. We all have failures. And we're just trying to follow God just like you guys. So before I get into what we do, I grew up here. Uh, I went to Christian Heritage. I did all the right things, said all the right things, read my Bible, memorized verses, and yet I was completely lost. I thought good works got me into heaven. I thought Jesus was happy that I read the Bible, even though I was sinning in the background. Nobody knew that, of course. And it took, I got out of high school, joined the Air Guard, Air National Guard, and I specifically remember praying to God, okay, God, I know you're real, but I am leaving. I am doing the prodigal son thing. I'm going to live the life I could never could live with my parents, right? 
And so that's what I did. For two years straight, I was living the worldly life, and I was trying everything. And the, I was trying to think of one spot what made me come back to church. And I honestly think it was just prayer, prayer from my mom. Uh, she asked me to come to church one Sunday, and I was like, sure. I mean, I wasn't against church, but so one Sunday, I showed up to church, not thinking anything was going to happen. And for whatever reason, the Holy Spirit convicted me, and I was crying, and everybody around me was like, what is going on? I'm getting weird looks from everybody. And, you know, at, all at the same time, for the first time in my life, I was 20, maybe 21, uh, I felt the sin. I felt the weight of my sins. Because I, I had all the big sins, you know, alcoholism, drugs. And those were like big in-your-face sins, right? I can't just say, oh, yeah, I'm a good enough person. And I think God allowed that to show me, okay, you are not as good as you think you are kind of a thing. And so that just broke me, again, crying my eyes out. But at the same time, the pastor was talking about the gospel, talking about Jesus, how no matter how good you are, you can't jump across the Grand Canyon. You need a bridge. You need Jesus. And for the first time in my life, even though I knew all the right words, I understood that. I'm like, oh, Jesus, ah, and that same sermon, uh, my pastor said, hey, let's get baptized. All you got, you folks, let's get baptized. So I'm like, all right, I guess that's the next step. Not even understanding. So a pastor came up, you know, we talked a little bit, and then we got baptized in clothing, everything. I think my, Ethan got baptized too, right, my brother. Uh, crazy, just uh, crazy thing. Shortly after, still dealing with my sin, right? I had all my sin that I loved, I fell in love with. It took a solid two years to get out of that. Um, Jesus used the church, used people, normal people, to work in my life personally in, during that time. And it's an incredible thing when the people of God are listening to him and loving each other around their sphere. And I, it's just an amazing thing. So that kind of got me into ministry. I, w I didn't really want to be a pastor because I'm terrible at speaking, and it just terrifies me. So one sermon, we're fast forwarding a couple years. We're, we're moving along here, guys, sorry. My pastor did a thing on, a talk on missions. And if you guys have a world vision, Richard Stearns is the CEO. Okay, so they are an organization that helps kids in really bad places. You know, they sponsor kids to help them get, you know, food and clothing and all that. And Richard Stearns, were, he was telling his story that, you know, he's just a regular businessman. You know, he never wanted to be in missions, never wanted to do anything like that. And yet God used him to start this organization to help all these kids. And, and honestly, you know, naturally I was like, hey, that's not going to be me. Like, there's no way. And yet God put that little seed in my mind, and I said no for about two years. I said, there's no way I'm going to be a missionary. God, you have the wrong guy. Have you seen my track record? Like, it was Moses and the burning bush scenario, right? Like, I was just like, no, not going to do it, not going to do it. And then finally, I wish I could say, am I talking about it? Sorry. I'm a loud talker, sorry. <laughs> Finally, uh, I still remember the day. I was just sitting there, I'm like, okay, God, fine. I'll do missions, even though I have no idea what that means. And instantly, I felt at peace. I had no idea what I was going to do, um, but I was at peace. I was like, okay, let's do this. And uh, shortly after, I got introduced to the idea of missionary aviation. Have you guys heard of missionary aviation, the whole idea of, okay, so long story short, we use aviation to get into hard-to-reach areas. 
So we got, there's tons of organizations, probably like six different organizations that help out with the broader thing of missions. And, uh, and so that kind of caught my eye. I'm mechanically minded. I pick up things pretty quick, you know, growing up on the farm. So I was like, okay, I'll try that. Heard about Moody Aviation? Have you guys heard of Moody Aviation here in town? See, I had no idea that even existed. You know, I, I remember I was working, I was doing harvest late August. I'm on top of a wheat truck trying to get service. I call Moody Aviation, and she's like, like, hey, I know I'm a couple weeks late. I know you guys already started, but could I get in this year? And she said, oh, yeah, that's great. I'll send you an application, and we'll get started. Okay, great. Where are you guys located? Oh, we're in Spokane, Washington. Like, Spokane? Like, oh, yeah, cool. So it... it yeah, it was totally crazy. I, I was like, I, I should have known that, but. Yeah, and, you know, that, at that moment, I was like, okay. Application says, I mean, it, or it's moody, so it had like 10 pages of stuff you had to fill out. And one spot was about your history, so they asked all the questions, you know. And these were the answers of my biggest failures of my life, right? And I'm sitting there like, oh, man. Do I even put this down? Do I quit? Do I stop right now? Because I know they're going to say no after I, I'm honest. But I, the Lord's like, nope, just stay, stick to it, be honest, and do it. I'm like, okay. So I wrote it all down and thinking that, I, you know, they would disapprove or not take me in. And they said, nope, you're good. And they, they actually mentored me. through. So the, all my professors and instructors knew my history, and they actually helped me out, which was amazing. Like, I don't know. It's crazy. So it was no, judge, no judgment. It was all grace, all Let's, let's do this together. And that's, yeah, exactly. And that's the church, right? That's a perfect picture of how the church is supposed to work. And even though that broke my heart, I mean, for my sin, I was thinking about people who didn't have that, who don't have churches, who don't have the Bible in their own language. I remember wrestling through First John and James, like, oh, I, can't, I, have to, I have to stop sitting. I have to stop doing this. And people don't have that. People all over the country, all over the world do not have that. So, Long story short, I know that was long, long introduction, but that's how I kind of got into the global perspective. I got into, okay, missions. Then I heard about unreached people groups. I heard about people who are in these dense jungles up in the mountains who have no roads. No, they're completely isolated from the outside world. And we have folks going into those places. They spend, I'll get into this later, but they spend years learning their culture and language to get in there. And I was like, ooh. Sign me up. Heard about Ethnos 360 or New Transmission back in the day, and I was all for it. I mean, it was an easy decision to go there. So and that's where we are. I got, uh, did all my training at Moody Aviation, got all my certifications as a pilot and mechanic, swapped over to helicopter with Ethnos, so now I'm a helicopter pilot mechanic. Same difference. It's all the same stuff. But So that's what we're doing. We're with Ethnos, heading over to the Philippines. I think that's what... She was really excited that we, because we're going to her home country. So, yeah, pretty cool. So here's a video. I hope it works. Am I going to get a thumbs up from the tech guy, hopefully? He's going to talk about a little bit of the unreached people groups and kind of give a big overview of how we're doing as a church. And it might work. It might not. We'll see. In the beginning, God created everything. He created a world full of people to know him and to be known by him. This is the story of the Bible, God bringing people to himself. And when we read the Bible, we see how God went to great lengths to do this, and how much God cares about people knowing him. You most likely already know this. And you probably live somewhere where people have a general understanding of this great love story between God and humanity. 
And if they don't know yet, there's probably somebody in town who can tell them. But did you also know that there are three billion people who will live and die without ever hearing this story? Not because they don't care, but because they don't have a choice. Nobody ever told them that once upon a time, God became a human just like them, so that he could teach them how to know their creator. 40% of the world doesn't know this, and they won't know this. Not unless something changes. Not unless someone goes to tell them. Jesus is our wonderful example. He left his natural home to come to us. And then he tells us to do the same thing. Because we love Jesus and care about the same things that he cares about, we care about this. That the whole world would know him. That every tongue, tribe, and people group would come and be able to worship him. So the question is, are we doing this? Going out into the world to bring the gospel to every tongue, tribe, and nation? Well, kind of. While churches do send people out, almost half the world still doesn't have any access to the gospel. But how is this possible? Aren't there people being sent? Well, yeah. There are about 400,000 people serving across the world today. But only 3% of them are actually going to the 40% who have never heard about Jesus. The other 97%, they're going to places that have already heard about Jesus. There's an imbalance. That imbalance? leaves only one person for each 250,000 people who have never heard about Jesus. Put another way, we have a spirit-led calling to rethink our focus. When you look at how we use our resources, such as money, the picture doesn't look that much better. To be specific, Christians around the world are giving about 2% of their income to Christian causes. And less than 7% of that is going to cross-cultural workers. And of that cross-cultural giving, only one one-hundredth of that 0.1% is actually going to those working with the 3 billion people who don't know Jesus, have no church, or any Christian neighbors. The other 99% of all cross-cultural giving goes to the rest of the world that already has Christians, Bibles, and churches. Are you seeing the imbalance? Only 3% of our workers with only 1% of our cross-cultural finances are going to the 3 billion people who have never heard about Jesus. So we have to ask ourselves, are we okay with this? We want those 3 billion people to hear about the kingdom of God and how much God loves them. There are 17,000 ethno-linguistic groups in the world, people who share language, culture, and common history. 7,000 of them are considered unreached these are entire cultures who have never heard the amazing story of how Jesus loves them and came to save them. God has called us to pay attention to this, to love and care for the same things that he does. He put this desire on our heart, to see the unreached reached with the amazing story of the love of God. We want to see lasting local church planning movements begin among these people groups that brings renewal and transformation among these cultures and societies. Why? Because God has moved our hearts to see the gospel transform whole societies among the unreached. We know this task is bigger than us. Many of the areas that are in need of the gospel are difficult and resistant places. It isn't something that can be accomplished overnight. But by the power of the Spirit, we endeavor to preach the gospel where Christ is not known so that God can be worshipped by all peoples. Okay, he said three billion, so of course I'm a numbers, I have to have numbers, stats a little bit. This is joshuaproject.net. Have you guys heard of joshuaproject.net? Okay, they, they follow kind of globally the unreached people group and where they are and who's what. So this is their figure, roughly three billion 
Uh, total population, 7.8 or about 8 billion people. That leaves about 42% of people who have literally no access to the gospel. There's no Christians, no churches, nothing. There's no Trinity Bible Church in Davenport. Everybody's just lost. I, I'm trying to get you guys to, this is just mind-boggling. Of course, my mind says, hey, okay, how long does that take? So I think in today's world, especially with if you watch politics, oh, we just borrowed another $3 trillion today. Great. You know, everybody's like, okay, $3 trillion. A uh, billion is a lot. Uh, long story short, math, 32 years if you're going to be counting up to $3 billion. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of moms and grandmas and kids and dads not hearing the gospel because they do not have a choice. Just let that sink in, all right? All right, who are these guys? We call it, this probably a little technical, but I'll just read it. An unreached or least reached people is a people group among which there is no indigenous community of believing Christians with adequate numbers or resources to evangelize this people group without outside assistance. Okay, would I just say, there's nobody there to tell them the love of Jesus. There's no Christians. There's nothing. They're just there. All right, big picture. Anybody see this? This is kind of the big idea of where everybody's at. First time I looked at this, I'm like, why are there unreached people groups in the U.S.? And I'm pretty sure it's because immigrants are coming in. Uh, so that's cool. So in Spokane, we have uh, World Relief. You guys heard of those guys? We just had, we, uh, my wife and I met some Afghanistan, Afghan, Afghan couple that just came in. Crazy story. You, you guys got to go there and meet some people because their story is nuts. So anyway, that was my first question. We call this the 1040 window. As you can see, India is a huge hotspot. Africa is Indonesia. Papua New Guinea is right here. And right here is the Philippines. So all we, what we, Ethnos 360, the church planners, they go everywhere. It's kind of up to the family to go to decide where to go. As far as aviation goes, we operate kind of in this area. This is kind of the hot spot of no roads, all mountainous jungle. So that's kind of the big need right now for us to be in that area. Um, like I said, we are an aviation family and we're going to the Philippines. There's a lot of green there, which is good. It's really good. And I have a, a cool story about that a little bit later. So the Philippines is doing quite well as far as unreached people groups. Okay, I know you guys all know this, but and you've heard this before, but why do we care? That, I mean, that's it. Jesus told us. He commanded us to do it. Uh, this is after he was raised from the dead. He gave back to his apostles. And what is the first thing he says? Boom. I'm the big, I'm the boss guy, not you. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, because I'm in, I have all authority, go and make disciples of all nations. And I think that we all know this. I'm just making a point. That's what we're doing, right? You guys are doing that here in Medical Lake. You are making disciples. You are sharing the love of Jesus to the people around you. It's, made, it's a good thing, right? So, yeah, it's not a suggestion. I already said that. Uh, okay, here's our goal. Ethnos 360, we want to see a thriving church for every people, just like you guys. I would say you guys are a thriving church based off the two minutes that I've been here. I saw the posters of Awana back there. That's really cool. I love that. So that's what we want. We want that to be in these villages where there's no outside contact, 
and we're talking about villages that it's very dark, very dark. This is, so my pilot mind says, oh, I need to have bullets, but I'm sorry, this might be a little technical. This is kind of what we do big picture, okay? Our church planners, when they figure out where they're going, first thing they do, learn the language and culture. How long do you think that's going to take? This is a, I want this to be back and forth. So if you guys, any, if, if you guys have questions or anything, just tell me. But what do you guys think? How long will that take? Just first guess. Three years? Longer than that? Yeah. Depends on the, on the language, but we're talking five to ten years. It's like crazy. And I want you to imagine a family gets dropped off with the helicopter. They're out in the middle of nowhere. Literally out in the middle of nowhere. They're surrounded by people who they can't communicate with, and they literally have to learn their language by using phonetics. So we... Ethnos teaches us how to read phonetics, like the, the study of language, the study of sounds coming from your mouth. And so these guys literally pick out the sound from these mouths, and they put up a language, and they can communicate. We're talking about really smart people here, way smarter than me. And uh, so, yeah, roughly 10 years of that. And we, we say that's a huge foundation because you can't really communicate unless you can speak their language. But not only that... We have to know how these guys are thinking. Americans think a very specific way compared to Australians. Might speak the same language, but we don't, <laughs> right? Uh, we do a thing called foundational Bible teaching. So instead of just, hey, Jesus died for you, and just believe in him, and you're going to heaven. We don't do that, because there's a lot of history there. But we want to teach them the whole big picture of God. Who is God of the Old Testament? Who is Jesus? Why do they matter? And so we, we spend months, even years, going through the entire story of the Bible. We, we pull out themes. God is gracious. God is powerful. Okay, why does he allow sin? All these things. And they, most people agree with it because they believe Christ, you know, creation. They believe something created their earth. They just don't know what. Okay. And so hopefully after, <laughs> we're talking 15 years now, we're only on point three. 10, 15 years, pray that God will create a church. And usually it does. It usually God is very faithful. Church is born. All right, there's another milestone. What do we do when a church is born? Do we say, okay, great, have fun? No. We're talking babies in the faith, babies. Would you leave your baby out in the middle of the jungle? Of course not. We need to disciple these new believers. That is a big ticket item right, just right there because they're dealing with they're changing their whole worldview when Jesus comes into the picture, right? I mean, we're talking generations of darkness, and all of a sudden, Jesus is in the picture. It's a lot to handle. So there, we do a lot of discipleship as well. Bible translation, that's a huge thing. That takes another 15 years. Mature church, then they are the ones doing it, which we see that in the Philippines. Right now in the Philippines, we have villages that's been there for 40 years, a missionary before, you know, a generation before did it. And now that church is mature and doing the, the next thing, which is, I love to hear that. All right, Ethnos 360, aviation. Our whole job is to support the church planners. Like I said, these guys are going out in the middle of nowhere. They have no food, no housing, no nothing, right? So it's either you build a hut like the people, which I guess you could do that if you're a Navy SEAL, 
you know, Navy SEALs are pretty intense. I, you could probably do that, but we're talking normal people with kids, right? You're probably not going to want to just, yeah, that would be ridiculous. So a lot of guys, they uh, build houses, some type of structure to have security, right? Um, so that's what we do. We bring in supplies. We, we're there, right there for them. If they have a medical event, like just this last week, a, a kid fell out of the tree, broke his arm in like three places, not a good thing. They called up a helicopter. Ten minutes later, he's in the hospital bed, right, versus weeks of traveling downriver. So it's, it's a huge thing. Here's the Philippines. So we have two programs going on in the Philippines. Northern Luzon, we have a helicopter right there. Tons of church planning happening on this side of the island, a little bit over here, but we're kind of in the middle, and we're kind of, we have this whole sector right here. Where we're going to be at, we're going to be down here, the island of Mindanao, and there's a little town right about in there called Malaybalay. It's the size of maybe Teeny Medical Lake, so it's a pretty small town. It has a grocery store and a little medical clinic, so tons. This is a very mountainous, very dense jungle area. There are some big cities on the coastline, but everything in inland is, we're talking dense jungle, like straight up, straight down mountains, uh, pretty wild. Here's a little closer up map of what we do. I have some statistics about population. Some of you don't care, but long story short, we're actually doing pretty well. 5% 5, 5 of unreached people group remains. We got about 202 people groups. And the people group just means it's a group of people that talk the same and think the same. That's what we're talking about. So you can think of a people group as a tribe. Does that make sense? Hopefully. We have six church six churches that are actually uh, mature, and they're doing their own, plant, own church planning. So all the white guys are just kind of facilitating and helping them out when they need it. But Six churches are doing everything themselves, which is amazing. So we're just there helping them out. We fly them around because, you know, they're going to spend months and months hiking or they spend like a couple hours flying, right? So it's kind of a no-brainer that they can use a helicopter as well. Uh, this is just new. We have 10 new families coming this year. So a lot of new works. And the reason we have 10 new families is because this. This picture is a little a little map of all these, see these little diamond type things with the waypoints? Those are all villages that we just saw last year. So we just we took the helicopter up, just flew until we found smoke. And this one area, we found this many villages and nobody knows who they are. There's no roads, no nothing. So it's actually quite exciting. So we're gonna do some heavy surveying with the next couple years with these guys. Not sure where that's going to come out of it, but there's still a lot of unreached people out there. Okay. I'm a millennial, so I have to have videos. This is the last video, I promise. <laughs> Just watch it. Yeah, that's good. The closest island to us is about between three and five hours with a small fishing boat, and then another to a better island, about 15 to 18 hours. When the house was finished and we moved into the house, Typhoon Yolanda came over. <laughs> And it was complete devastation. I mean, everything was just leveled. This is probably one of the top 12 of all storms ever seen on this planet. When 
the mayor came to us and said to us, they have no way of getting any food. Contacted aviation, came back to us almost immediately. The helicopters took from the morning early until the evening and dropped off the food on uh, these five islands. The only way these people stayed, stayed alive was done through uh, these helicopter drops. What's so amazing about the story is that this one specific island that wanted nothing to do with us, a guy of the area came to me and he hauled me onto the arm and he said to me, Philip, I don't understand this. You know, you're not family. You came here a couple of years ago and we wanted nothing to do with you. You are the only ones that keep us alive. Why? Through people that came alongside our work, the Lord opened up this whole area for our ministry. Now it's the time where we're going to give them the best food that we can ever offer somebody. Those food packages, now we can say to the people, those food packages has got nothing in comparison to the gift we're going to give them, the gift of the gospel. A big aspect of what we do as a flight program is to support church planters from the very beginning of their work. And oftentimes in the early stages, we're very involved in improving the quality of life in communities. The Lord had led us to engage on the community project so that the people would just stay here and would be able to, to hear uh, God's word. So in the last four years, you know, the community development project had really impacted the life of the people. It's because they've been able to settle here in this village. They've been able to, to provide for their families, build a good house. And the people had more time right now to think about spiritual things. You know, they can focus more on, on the Bible teaching. It's because they, would, they, they don't need to think about if they go home, they, they still have food or, or anything. So it really impacted the lives of, of the people here. As Ethnos 360 Aviation, we're passionate about church planting. There are new believers that are going to be discipled as one of the functions of the church. And these new believers are indigenous people. We need to be able to fly those new missionaries uh, out to other outreaches and facilitate the church growing and expanding into new areas. And so the flight programs do this uh, by being affordable and that the cost of using our flight programs isn't a barrier to people uh, being able to have effective ministries at the farthest ends of the earth. Siak, mayan a magulang a bata marugay na nao adaan anding o pamatbat. Kahintang katawang gabi at itiyo pa sa mga bata dahil na bahin mga katawan na
our flight programs operate all over the world, and sometimes it looks like landing on the pier on a remote island. Sometimes it's landing on the beach. We've flown into very mountainous regions with our airplanes where we'll just have an airstrip cut into the side of a mountain. We do all of this just for the purpose of bringing the gospel to where it's never been before. did an internship there about eight years ago, and I actually met the young man that was talking in his own language, and uh, I'll never forget this. I, we landed in the airplane, and this group, I mean, kids came out just screaming, like very excited, jumping around, you know, acting like kids, right? Jumping on the, on the plane, they were pulling the plane back, and just a whole bunch of stuff. It's just so fun, and the, there was a church planner there from New Zealand, He's been there for 40-some years. Uh, right now, he was, then he was working on Isaiah, translating Isaiah. And I asked, so what was it like? Like, here, I see your end product here. You were there from the beginning. What was it like? And he says, Nick, there were so many days I wanted to quit. There were so many days where I was just beaten down. Like, and the only thing that kept me going was these kids, these kids, just knowing that they have a chance after I do, we do this. And sure enough, and I don't know about the kids. I mean, they have a shot though, right? Like, like our kids. I think about mine, you know, that's my biggest prayer right now is just that he would know Jesus, you know. And uh, yeah, it's a, cool, it's a really cool thing to be a part of. Uh, so you guys are doing this. You know, I say get involved because most churches I go to don't actually know about Ethnos. They don't know about Unreached People Group. So you guys are like, you guys, are, you guys are good. Uh, this is the huge thing. You guys just prayed for one of your missionaries. What was their names? Anna Peterson's. Dude, that is awesome that you guys have a missionary of the month. I tell you what. Dude, you guys are killing it. I mean, I haven't even started yet, and I feel like we're doing this alone. Um, not to be downers, but... It is so hard to say goodbye to our grand or <laughs> saying goodbye to my grand my mom and watching Elliot and Owen not have their grandparents and uh, but it's worth it right it's worth it for the God it's worth it for these people and uh, knowing that there's churches like you guys praying for people and it's just it means the world seriously and I want to just say thank you on behalf of Ethos 360 and the Canes I know they you guys mean a lot to them. So thank you. Uh, you guys already know all that, so I just want to say thank you. Can you pray us out since I'm all emotional right now? Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Kadir. <laughs> oh, I've been serving Army Nick for quite a few years. We've been involved with Christian Heritage, and yeah. it's just such a privilege, such a privilege to be part of sending you out and, mm-hmm. uh, and watching you grow and uh, listening and and uh, being involved in your lives. So thank you very much. Let's all bow our heads in prayer. Father God, we just thank you so much, Lord, that uh, that you do speak into our hearts and that you you spark a desire, uh, like you've done in Nick's heart, spark the desire to serve you in this very special and vital way. And how we get to participate by uh, praying, uh, 
supporting them financially uh, and, uh, and even one day sending our grandkids out to be uh, servants as well. So I lift uh, Nick up and his wife and the kids and we especially pray uh, that Nick's kids would grow up coming to know you, Jesus, as their personal Lord and Savior. Um, be with them as they uh, uh, finalize preparations, and we just uh, send them off uh, with confidence in you, Father God, because of your son, Jesus, who lives in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Mm. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, guys.